Wanna see what I got you today? It's a mocking J pen. As long as you have it, nothing bad will happen to you. I promise. Welcome and happy Hunger Games. I just love that. Ladies first. Tribute. You're stronger than they are. There's 24 of us, Gail. Only one comes out. No, no. Take care of them, Gail. Whatever you do, don't let them start. Hit the 17, the girl on What did you say to your sister when you volunteered at the reefing? I told her that I would try to win for her. And try you will. I just keep wishing that I could think of a way to show them that they don't own me. If I'm gonna die, I want to still be me. I just can't afford to think like that. Greetings, folks. That uh, what you heard there was one of the TV spots to the new big movie opening this weekend, The Hunger Games, the uh, first movie from the first book in that series, very popular series that I uh, read recently and really enjoyed. Looking forward to going to see the movie later today. But first up, I'm podcasting. Today is March 25th, 2012. This will be podcast 377. And on today's show, we're going to look at an Enterprise episode this is from the first season, about the middle point or a little past the middle point of the first season of Enterprise. The episode is called Sleeping Dogs, and it's um, it's an episode involving Klingons and some of the early relationships between the crew, and I thought it was a good episode to choose, and it's been a while since we covered an Enterprise episode, so that is the main topic for today. We're going to talk about some other things, movies, TV uh, and uh, whatever else is, uh, pops into my head here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Welcome to the podcast Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. With Rico Dusty, love special guests. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, Enterprise, Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Make it so. Again, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, your host. If you are a new person listening, maybe, who knows, for the first time to a, a Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, welcome to the show. I appreciate you downloading the episode and listening and uh, giving it a shot. Uh, lots of a uh, back catalog, years of episodes you could uh, go back and listen to if you enjoy this one. But what we do usually each week is cover something in, in movies or television, a lot of Star Trek talk and Star Wars things, but I try to cover a wide range of topics since that is what I enjoy. I, I'm not just a Trek fan or just a Star Wars fan, but I enjoy a lot of it, and I'm really going to enjoy, I think, 
this new Hunger Games movie uh, that come came out uh, Friday, uh, well, Thursday at midnight, technically, I guess, Friday, and is doing very well at the box office. And uh, it's, uh, it's a very popular series of three books uh, by uh, an author named Suzanne Collins. And I just ripped through the first book um, maybe a week or two ago in a couple of days uh, at the suggestion of my wife, Lynn, who really enjoyed it, which is a little surprising. And uh, just because it's not really the subject matter that she normally reads. And it, it one of the reasons I decided to finally read the book and try to read it before uh, the movie was that used to be my normal kind of way. If there was something that was based on a book, especially a very uh, popular book, that uh, I would try to read the book prior to seeing seeing the you know movie or TV show from it or whatever it happened to be. But it, as time had, has gone on, that's been more and more tricky and difficult, and I haven't always been able to do it. Most of the time I can, but sometimes I've read things after the fact. So this, uh, this one I decided, I, you know, I was worried I wasn't going to have enough time, but she had said it's a fairly short book and a per- pretty quick read, and it was. So uh, I'm really happy in a way that I read it because I think it's not going to spoil the movie in, in my view, I think, especially since I've seen the previews and know the premise. It, the but I think it, it, the the book probably from the little bit that I've heard in some of the reviews and discussion on the movie, I think it's going to give me some background information that's going to make me even enjoy the movie more. You know, there's only so much they can do. I think the movie's like two hours and twenty minutes or so. There's only so much they can do in that time, even though it is a short book. So I uh, I think that this is going to uh, you know in add to my enjoyment level and I highly recommend the book to everyone whether you you read it before or after the movie if you get a chance maybe even read it before you see the movie uh, that it really won't take that long trust me I think that in paperback form I think it's only like 350 pages or something like that uh, I read it on my Kindle but uh, who knows how many pages that means <laughs> I don't know but uh, it's uh, it's a great book and uh, I, I think the movie's going to be uh, it, it, the story and the premise at first, I I wondered how, you know, how that would be to read it. You know, it's a pretty strong premise, and uh, I don't think probably most people listening probably don't. You know, you guys probably know the premise. I'm not going to say a whole lot yet because the movie did, did, did uh, <laughs> uh, too early on Sunday. I'm trying to get this in the show recorded before we go off to see the movie today. But uh, I was going to say I don't think the um, the premise is, is pretty well known. If you've seen some of the previews, you kind of get an idea. Uh, you know, it's kids killing kids in a way in this futuristic arena kind of situation. Uh, think Total Recall. Not Total Recall. What was it? The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Why did I say Total Recall? I don't know. Maybe because they're redoing that movie. It's going to be out later this summer. But, you know, they, they put on this kind of show and this media thing. And there's reasons and stuff behind it. But I'm not going to say that much more. But anyway... Uh, the premise, it's a, it's a little rough, and I know that they had to, you know, be careful. They wanted to rate it PG-13 at the most here in the United States to, uh, because you really don't want to go for an R rating. It'll, it'll really lock out a lot of kids, especially that, I'd say, that 13, 14, 15-year-old age set. Although I I don't even know these days. Are movie theaters, you know, are they really sticklers for uh, for age and checking age when you go in? I don't even know what the current situation is on that. I know when I was growing up, and I didn't, you know, there there weren't a lot of R-rated movies that I wanted to go see, but I was always fairly tall and, and bigger than your average high school kid. So I, I don't remember ever being asked for ID 
to see any movie that I ever wanted to see. And I'm trying to think if I went to see an R or tried to go see an R movie before I was, what is it, 17 you need to be technically? I don't know. I can't remember, but I'm just curious these days what it's like. I should ask my kids, although I don't think they've ever even tried uh, to do that. So who knows? Because they rate so much stuff these days, PG-13. So it's it, it really becomes a non-issue here. I know I heard something about them having to re-edit this uh, Hunger Games movie a little bit, possibly for some overseas places like the UK to, to get it into a rating that they thought that most of their teenage kids could go see. So I'm not uh, completely up on what they did and how that went, but uh, we'll see how that all works out. So that uh, that's what I'm excited about later for today. We're going to go to like a 145 show. I'm I'm really happy that there isn't the whole trying to figure out which, which theater is showing it in 3D versus not 3D. It's not, it wasn't converted or filmed in 3D, and I'm I'm real happy about that. So, so we don't have to worry about that extra, you know, a couple of two or three dollars and and funny glasses and all that stuff. Um, okay, so let's switch gears. There isn't um, a lot of Star Trek movie news about the new feature. One thing that I did notice that I found online was that, you know, a few weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, there are some pictures and video that showed up of, of Leonard. No, why did I say Leonard? Oh, my God. Leonard, not Leonard Nimoy. Uh, the guy playing Spock now is Zachary Quinto, not Leonard Nimoy. Whew, boy, I am tired this morning. Uh, Zachary fighting the main villain, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and what has happened now on the Paramount lot is that J.J. Uh, Abrams has put up a wall. <laughs> he actually had them build a wall around the studio area so that they could not, uh, you know, paparazzi couldn't climb in some nearby elevated spot in a tree or wherever they were going on a building and shooting with a long lens photos and video from, uh, you know, what they were filming there. So he's got this wall put up around the set. So I'm not sure what's going to happen now if, if uh, uh, what information is going to s- slip out or is, is this going to completely shut it down as far as the only information we'll be getting about the movie will be official interviews, official photos, and so forth. I've kind of got mixed feelings a little bit. I think... I think in a way, if J.J. If Abrams had at least released a little bit about this movie so far, I mean, Star Trek fans are pretty pretty intense, you know, in terms of on the Internet, in terms of trying to know a little bit. And it doesn't stop us from going to see the movies and, and, and be excited about them, I don't think, in any way. I mean, I understand it, but as, what I think when this kind of thing happens a little bit, what, what kind of makes me wonder is is he that worried that if we know who like the what the main villain's name is or what kind of a character he is or the title of the movie or a little bit about the story does he really think that's going to spoil things that much i mean the minute they start showing trailers and things there's been talk that maybe this summer's comic con will get a little taste of it the minute that comes out we'll know a lot it isn't like we're going to go from this point to um next june june 2013 to, to see the movie without, or I'm sorry, I think it comes out in May. I think it was May, right? Or is it June? I can't remember all of a sudden. I'm really messed up this morning. Sorry, folks. <laughs> but what my point is, is that he will release something. And I know it's his decision and his controlled release of information. But it isn't like he, he will keep everything a complete secret that we will go in sort of a, a dark, one of those chambers that you float in the water and it's all dark and no noise, no light. 
until the minute we see this new movie. There will be information that will get out there. Does it matter if we see it now versus in three or four months from now? I, I can see him not wanting to release these this un kind of you know focused footage. In other words, these guys doing this fight that they were doing. And that I can understand not wanting all that out, but hey, JJ, why don't you just get get on some Today Show or some show and one of the nighttime shows and just say, hey, the title of the next Star Trek movie is this, the, you know, the basic premise and a villain is this, or some kind of blurb about it, and, and and it will shut us up for a while, I guess is the way I look at it. It will it will take some of that away, and and it, and we will learn that it, it, you know fairly, you know, at some point in time in the not too distant future. So. I guess I kind of have mixed feelings on this whole super secrecy. I mean, I can understand some things, you know, keeping them very secret. And I think he did a really good job, actually, in the first for the first movie that he did in, in keeping certain aspects of that film pretty quiet. So, I mean, we even all knew Leonard Nimoy was going to be in it. They didn't try to even keep that quiet. Oh, speaking of Leonard and another Star Trek-related topic, uh, he is going to be finally on The Big Bang Theory. However, he in uh, his appearance on the Big Bang Theory is going to be in a in a voice form only, not uh, in a, a real appearance. Although uh, there are some photos which I posted up on our forum, and I'll I'll try to post this on the main treksandsci-fi.com website. There are some photos floating around out there where he went to visit the Big Bang Theory set, maybe to just record his lines there on uh, on their their studio set. And he met up with the cast of the show. And, you know, of course, if you're a fan of that TV show, it's a great show on uh, CBS on Thursday nights. Sheldon on that show is, is a, you know, Leonard Nimoy is, is basically his his childhood idol or his current even idol. I mean, he, he just uh, reverently adores Leonard Nimoy. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, to see that. And also Will Wheaton is going to do another guest spot, I think, in another week or so after that. So we got a couple of Trek guest stars uh, showing up on uh, the Big Bang Theory here very soon. So that's going to be cool. Looking forward to seeing both of them and or at least seeing Will Wheaton and and hearing uh, Leonard Nimoy. So that's going to be great. And Leonard Nimoy, for a guy that retired, he's still doing stuff. And and speaking of that, uh, also uh, happy birthday to him. Tomorrow he uh, will be 81 years young, Leonard Nimoy, and William Shatner just had a birthday a few years ago, or a few years ago, a few days ago. Yeah, he had a birthday a few years ago too. He had a birthday, and he was 81. They're only a few days apart, uh, which is uh, kind of interesting, I think. Uh, so uh, happy birthday to both the Shat and Mr. Spock. And with that, I think I'm going to take a break, have some tea, Try to slap my face a little bit and wake up here a bit more. And I'll come back with a couple other little things, and then we'll get into the Enterprise episode. Hi there, Rick Moyer here to let you know about an exciting new project that I'm working on called Stargazer 2. You heard Stargazer 1 and enjoyed that. And now some brand new singles are out on iTunes, CD Baby, Rhapsody, Amazon, and more. Building on the relaxing type of stuff that I did in Stargazer 1, I'm using now the iPad, some different programs like GarageBand and uh, Moog, and also um, some really fun things in a program called Thumb Jam. 
So it's a lot of fun. I'm putting out some, some really neat stuff that I think you'll really, really enjoy. And right now you can get the singles um, on iTunes called So Many Moons. That's what you're listening to now. You also can get Just Past Pluto sounds a little bit like this. Plus, I did a vocal project that I released on iTunes recently, just one single called Robot Gunslinger Cowboy. You probably heard it on the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast, but this is a revamped version with brand new instrumentation and some really cool vocals. And uh, here's a little sample of Robot Gunslinger Cowboy. I want to be a robot gunslinger cowboy. I want to be a robot gunslinger cowboy. I wanna be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy like your Brenner. There you go, some brand new material out of the Moyer Multimedia LLC production studio. 99 cents a track on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, and all the different outlets of uh, music and stuff like that. And, you know, hey, three bucks and you have some brand new Moyer music. Why not? Thanks so much for listening to my stuff. I really appreciate every single person that downloads and enjoys my music. Have a great day and God bless. Okay, uh, I wanted to also make sure that I mention and thank um, Jed- Jedi Jeff. Jeff uh, sat in last week for the podcast, and he covered the very cool movie from, I think, the year 2000, I think it was, Titan AE. Did a great job in that, some cool clips, really went over it well, and uh, I always enjoy listening to Jeff do a podcast. He has a very, uh, he, he just has sort of a calming voice. I don't mean it like it, uh I don't know how to describe it, but I, I, I again, I, I just always like it when Jeff does a show. He does a very thorough job, and he also does other podcasts and things, too, so that comes across, I think, in his his ability to do a show, and I, I greatly appreciate everyone jumping in here and doing these uh, shows and guest spots uh, every other week when I take a, a week off to recharge and do other things. So, I, again, it's been great. I, I've really been enjoying them. And next week, you're going to get a spot uh, with uh, Rick Moyer, and uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And that's coming up uh, next weekend's show, so uh, I'll talk more about what's upcoming on the podcast uh, towards the end of today's show. The last topic I wanted to talk about and mention, and I've mentioned this a few times in the last several weeks, actually a couple things I want to say uh, about two TV shows that uh, I'm really enjoying. One just ended, one just came back kind of in a way, uh, after being off for a few weeks. The first one, The Walking Dead, just ended, finished up its second season. And, oh, my God, the I, I've said many times this is a show that I think just about everyone should be watching, and I, and I don't I, – I, I can – I want to say that a hundred more times because this show is just really, really amazing. It, and it's, it's the acting, the, the, the script the, – you know, the stories, the script writing – it's just so solid. There, there isn't a scene, there isn't a, a line delivered, there isn't anything on this show that's just done halfway. It, it just is a, a, an amazing show. I, I 
really hope and wish that some of the actors on the show especially get some get some Emmy nominations and and maybe an Emmy award win or two because th- this is a genre show that that I think just really deserves that that I think people I hate to say it, but I mean, I think some people, because of the subject matter, have maybe just written it off. But I, just go to wherever you get your your content and your video from. I don't know where it's available these days. I'm sure you can get it on like things like iTunes uh, or or maybe Amazon. Um, you know, the video streaming service there, and I'm sure you can obviously buy the first season on disc. And the second season, I'm sure, will show up at some point. I don't know if AMC reruns things very much, like if they'll be rerunning this second season. But uh, it, it's just a, a great, great show. Uh, so well done. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to next season already, which unfortunately won't be starting till next fall. So we've got, I don't know, eight months maybe. Well, maybe not eight months. Maybe about six. I think I've, I'm hearing maybe September, October. They seem to have traditionally started around uh, Halloween period, but I think it might start a little sooner than that next year. I'm not sure exactly when, but just a great season. A lot of amazing things happened, incredible stuff. And all of you, everyone who's probably downloaded listened to this episode or, or to uh, Treks and Sci-Fi in general, the, the, there is really, again, I, I everyone, all of you guys who are listening and women and whoever who are listening to this should be watching that show. Just There's no question in my mind, so... And the other thing, Fringe came back after being gone for several weeks, and it is back. And that show, to me, is just so good. It's one of my other favorites in the in the genre and sci-fi realm. It's about kind of the one of the rare kind of sci-fi type shows that we have on these days right now. We don't really have a lot, frankly. And they had a really great episode on Friday. It has uh, Fringe has always had kind of an X Files vibe to me, but it has its own voice too. It doesn't. It's not just an X Files knockoff. There, there's, there's other things that are different about it, and more. You know, I, I love both shows, but it's it certainly. I don't think of it immediately as maybe when it first started out, it was kind of like that. But it's, it certainly formed its own place in, in, in history of sci-fi TV shows, and a great series, and, and one you should be watching and, and get caught up on if you're not. So. That's, uh, I think that's about all I really needed to cover. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that Wrath of the Titans movie next week. I, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the, the Clash of the Titans remake that they did a couple of years ago, but this one sure has the effects in it. The commercials are just loaded with monsters and, and, and gods fighting gods and all this stuff in, in, in mythology and, and creatures. And Perseus is back, of course, on Pegasus riding around. And uh, it looks pretty cool, pretty incredible. So um, I'll probably definitely try to see that in the theater since it's got that kind of uh, effect-laden, uh, you know, movie for it. Uh, and uh, I think that's all. Oh, one one other thing I was going to mention, John Carter. I still think that's a great movie. Catch it if you can still at the theater. Uh, unfortunately, it's, you know, it hasn't really been making a lot of money considering its budget, but... I still think that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie. I, I think it's a, a, a lot of fun, a real fun movie, and I haven't really heard of anyone who's gone to see the movie who didn't seem to enjoy it. Uh, the uh, We've got some people on my forum that uh, are seem to be, uh, you know, seem to have liked it that went to see it. So, uh, so check that out if you get a chance. Uh, and that's it for now for news and other topics. Uh, next up, The Enterprise episode, Sleeping Dogs. We're going to cover that one with a full commentary. So let me cue that up, and we'll get right into the episode. 
This is Dominic Keating, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant to you at the Motor City Comic Con. Just wanted to say, uh, keep on listening to Tricks in Sci-Fi. All right, we're in a uh, training uh, little area here, the cargo bay, maybe. We have a ten-second firing window. Ready? And we have uh, Malcolm and Hoshi. Ready. Hoshi's going to do some target practice here Go. with a phase pistol. She's not doing Die. real well. Any better? Your hit-to-miss ratio is still below 50%. If those had been live rounds, you'd have blown out two or three bulkheads. I never had this much trouble with the EM-33. This is an entirely new weapon. Unlike the EM-33, you don't have to compensate for particle drift. Just point straight at the target. And try and keep your shoulders relaxed. It's hard to aim accurately when you're tense. <coughs> you all right? Yeah, fine. You'll get the hang of it. Let's try for 20 seconds this time. Thought we were staying at work for the next few days. Now we're approaching a gas giant. Class nine. So much for target practice. We'll pick it up tomorrow. I like the little uh, little scenes like that where they show kind of stuff they're doing that isn't like, you know, critical or, you know, life-threatening all the time, you know, when they're in the mess hall or doing target practice. It gives them some character moments in that. But anyway, here we go with um, Sleeping Dogs. This is episode was um, production order number 15 in the series. Actually, was the 14th one aired. This aired first on January 30th, 2002, so about 10 years ago, dial down the background theme music here, it was written by a guy named Fred Decker, directed by Les Landau. Fred Decker was a, a writer who wrote uh, a few episodes, uh, worked on The Andorian Incident, uh, this one Sleeping Dogs, and Vox Sola. Uh, he also was um, a consulting producer on the show as well, so uh, he has some background here. He worked on a few other things uh, in the other areas. He's also somebody who worked on uh, a show called Tales of the Crypt, uh, for those that remember that uh, as well. So, And the episode is going to involve the Klingons uh, to a degree, and, and you'll learn more about that if you don't know the episode here shortly. So we're now up in the bridge, and the Enterprise is near this gas giant, and they're doing some probe uh, analysis of the of this planet that they're on or near. Or sorry, not planet. What am I talking about? Star. Let's hear them. Siren calls. That's what we called them when I was a kid. My dad would put them through the speakers whenever we flew by a gas giant. 
It gave me nightmares sometimes. Other than keeping Ensign Mayweather up at night, I'm not sure what we expect to accomplish here. There are four gas giants in your own solar system. None of them are class nine. I think this one's worth a closer look. Oh, I guess it, I'm sorry, it's not a gas giant star, it's just a gas giant planet. I'm reading an anomalous power signature in the lower atmosphere. And several biosigns. I guess they probably wouldn't be close, to, as close as they are to a gas giant star if it was a star. Aye, sir. And now they zoomed in on a ship. The speed of light. You think we can find a cure for the common cold? You should be grateful. Human cold is so mild. I once had a patient with the uh, Camarazite flu. He sneezed so violently he nearly regurgitated his pineal gland. I don't see how I can actually catch a cold on a hermetically sealed starship. Oh, you may have picked up a virus from a piece of equipment. It could have been. Lurking inside a sealed container. I did open a case of plasma coolant. Well, whatever fact that case was probably nursing a cold. <laughs> but that was back in space dock five months ago. You underestimate the tenacity of a virus, Lieutenant. It can lay dormant for months, adapt to whatever environment it finds itself in. This should uh, ease the symptoms. But the only cure I know of involves bed rest. Uh, no, that'll have to wait. Uh, the captain wants to be on the team investigating that shipwreck. Well, you won't be contagious inside an environment suit. Just try not to sneeze in your helmet. <laughs> yeah. I'll do my best. Again, I like these little things like this, little touches of stuff, you know. And no one on I don't can remember other Trek shows really got sick like oh, that, sure. like a common cold. Wait a minute, sir. Of course, what's on your mind? <clears throat> that shipwreck. We have no idea what type of life forms we'll find on that alien vessel. And there's a lot of interference in the atmosphere. Are you sure the away team won't need a translator? They have their UTs. And we'll try to keep an open comm link. What about the language on the control panels, the hatches? They might need someone to help them find their way around. Are you trying to tell me something? I realize that I haven't always been the first one in line to volunteer for this type of mission, but I want you to know that I'm prepared to go. Took a while, but I think I finally got my space legs. I never doubted that you'd find them. Your timing couldn't be better. DePaul just asked me to assign you to the team. You'd better get to the launch bay before they leave without you. Yes, sir. Nice scene again, and I like the way Archer let her, like, decide, even though that they had already requested her to go, you know, that it let her kind of come forward. I the environmental suit. I am. I'm just brushing up on the backup systems. I wouldn't want the emergency oxygen to fail during a hull breach. Uh, trust me, Edson. If there's a hull breach, the pressure will crush you into something about this big. I requested you for your skills as a translator, but if you're uncomfortable... I'm perfectly comfortable. I used to find the suits a little claustrophobic. But I'm getting used to them. 
I'll see you in the shuttle pod. You'll notice if you watch this episode carefully, you can see that they wear um, these different kind of undergarments when they're wearing these environmental suits. It's 100 kilometers below us. Not their. Uh, Still descending. It's not like their normal Gravity's uniform. I don't think. The atmosphere. At their current altitude, the pressure is 15,000 GSC. That's well within our hull tolerance. For the moment, but at the rate that vessel is sinking. We'll have an hour at most. You sound uncomfortable, Subcommander. I'm merely stating facts. We'll be on our way back well before we're in any danger. I, for one, have no interest in imploding a valuable shuttle pod. We're three valuable officers. We've entered an eddy of liquid helium. I like oh, this mix so of, um, for the away team too. It's not your typical away team. You don't have Archer there, for example. Meters. You've got Malcolm piloting, got Hoshi to translate, and you have DePaul for science, so it's a, it's a good mix. 40. What's that? That's just the proximity alarm. 20 meters. 10. Now keep Engaging in mind, to the um, to us Star Trek fans, when we saw little flashes of this uh, ship in the atmosphere, this gas giant, we have we know it's a Klingon Nitrogen ship. Oxygen atmosphere. But they don't know Carbon that yet. Dioxide levels are high, but nothing's toxic. We recognize it as uh, as a typical uh, one of the configurations of a typical sort of bird of prey style Klingon ship here, and uh, the uh, the Enterprise crew isn't really super familiar with all the different styles and varieties of Klingon vessels at this point in time, so it's going... Perhaps we should leave the helmets on. <laughs> what is it? You can't smell that? No. It's damn cold. Count your blessings. Yeah, so an important point here in this episode, don't you know, is that T'Pol and, and Hoshi can smell the, the the stench in the ship. You two might want to take a look at this. But the um. It says Deck Two Red Sector. What language? Klingon. Yeah. I thought you knew Klingon ships. Why didn't you recognize this one from the outside? There are many classes of ships. I'm not familiar with all of them. So I'm assuming you don't know how many Klingons are on board. I'm reading three biosigns. That way, all very weak. How weak? So they all pulled out their phase pistols when Hoshi read this marking on a bulkhead that uh, told them it was Klingon, or at least the marking is Klingon. They're finding one at least body here. A couple of them actually. I think this is at the point they're I think they're up on the bridge now. Yeah, it looks like the bridge. They're still alive. We should leave before they regain consciousness. And what if they don't? The atmosphere's gonna crush this shit like an eggshell pretty soon. Shouldn't we try to help them? They don't want our help. How do you know? They're Klingons. To die at their post assures them a path to the afterlife. If we rescue them, they'd be dishonored. Well, I, for one, don't intend to just fly off and let these people die. 
honorable deaths or not. Your compassion is admirable, but misguided. If they awake and find us on their ship, they'll kill us. And now they're searching some more of the ship. They find uh, there's a... Um, I think this is an eating area. There's all kinds of nasty-looking gawk and food and things. Oh, actually, they didn't find this. I'm sorry. They're, How many are there? they're still on the bridge. On the bridge. They just flashed to a scene but of I'm showing that area. At least nine more biosigns on board. And there's a Klingon woman that's awake. I'm detecting residual amounts of a carbon dioxide-based neurotoxin, but it seems to have dissipated. There's not enough to affect us. Stand by. How long is the pod's hull going to hold up? At their present rate of descent, half hour, give or take. T'Pol. Yes, Captain. You've got 20 minutes to see if you can do anything for that crew. Then I want you out of there. Understood? I don't believe there's anything we can do in 20 minutes. I suggest we leave now. You have a margin of safety. Captain. Call to Enterprise. Damn interference. Before we dropped out of comm range. We still have 20 minutes. It doesn't make sense to place ourselves at risk when they've got a dump. There must be something we can do. Maybe they have a distress beacon we can activate. So there's a Klingon woman who's still alive and a, and a conscious, and she's creeping up on them. And if they wake up on the trip back to Enterprise? they heard something and Malcolm's going to investigate uh, the sound. Do a nice job with the, the set of the ship here in this one. It looks uh, very used and kind of grungy. Oh, and now Malcolm just got jumped by the Klingon. She slipped through a corridor as uh, Hoshi and T'Pol tried to stop her. What's that? It's our shuttle pod taking off. And the Klingon, the woman who jumped Malcolm, just, yeah, obviously took off in their shuttle pods. They're stuck on this ship with no, uh, no pod to right get now. away. Archer to T'Pol. What's your status? We're back in comm range. Captain. Shuttle pod one, respond. Sir, they're heading into open space. I'm picking up something. Dutch tone. Chukwaka dish pakla. Kadish Sounds Pakla. like Klingon. Keep the Dutch troll. I'll try to tie in the UT. Chakwaka Kadish Pakla. Keep the in range. Respond. We've been attacked by an unknown ship. Designation Enterprise NX-01. Any warships in range? Respond. Set a pursuit course. Yes, sir. Bring the grappler online. Pursuit course, it's a it's a pod. I mean, you know, just grab the thing. 
Which they did. We've got it. But that always seems. <laughs> Send a team to launch bay one. Always seems a little funny to me at this point where they they don't have a tractor beam and they use these cables with a little you know hook that grabs something when they want to pull it into the ship. But it works. It, it, you know it's fun. They eventually, of course, later on, I think, get a tractor beam right, and uh, and now they're they're coming onto the where the pod is docked on Enterprise, four or five of them with their phasers out. And of course, the Klingon woman jumps one of these security guys, but they take her out. Takes a couple of blasts of their phase pistols to knock her to the ground. Everybody, all right? Now, at this point, I'm not quite sure immediately why Archer is, is sending another pod hey, out. Have you still got a fix on the shipwreck? Yes, sir. Transfer the coordinates to the launch bay. Okay, here he goes. I'm going back for the boarding party. Sir, the alien ship sunk another 2,000 meters. It's below the shuttle safety limits. Then polarize the whole plating. We're going in. We'll take Enterprise down. There's got to be some way off this ship. What about escape pods? I don't know about the structural integrity of Klingon escape pods. My guess is we're better off in here. It's irrelevant, Lieutenant. Klingons don't use escape pods. It would be considered an act of cowardice to abandon ship. Maybe we can use their comm system to contact Enterprise. I doubt their comm will penetrate the EM field any better than our own. If we can access their helm controls, we might be able to put this vessel into a stable orbit. I haven't had much experience of piloting Klingon ships. We have no other choice. Uh, T'Pol is such an optimist. <laughs> She's giving him like, no, there's no escape pods. No, Star we can't communicate. Look for anything marked propulsion, helm, navigation. I'll try, but reading Klingon is a lot different than speaking it. We could always try waking one of them to help us. I like that right. idea. Clock, chak, tabak, plasma containment, maybe? You're certain? Containment. I'm certain. Pada dakcha. Something they call photon torpedoes. Photon torpedoes? Yeah. Uh, nothing like that. What else? <laughs> well, this all looks like weapon systems. Torpedoes, tactical sensors, disruptor arrays. What about this one? This is actually one of the first times um, Enterprise ever encounters the, the words pressure. photon torpedoes. Katal. That can mean wall or barrier. Or hole? Maybe. If I'm reading this correctly, we've got a few hours at most. Their hull integrity's failing. And we better hurry. This appears to be the helm station. I think you're right. Kuinaga, impulse drive. Good work, Hoshi. Hoshi. It says the pressure's failing in the Chikotba fusion manifold. Do you know what that means? To quote our very own Mr. Tucker. It means we're dead in the water. Archer to boarding party, come in. 
We read you, Captain. How are you holding up? We're doing okay, sir. It's nice to hear your voice. What's your status? We've been attempting to restart their engines, but they appear to be offline. Don't worry about it. We're coming to get you. Travis, how much farther? 10,000 meters, but I'm having a hard time getting a fix on them. Too much interference. Is our probe still working? Barely. Try using it to triangulate their position. Enterprise Sir, is not, not doing so great now. I'm afraid we've got a little hitch in our rescue plan. The hull plating's failing. We'll be back for you as soon as we can. In the meantime, just sit tight. There's nothing to do about getting the vengeance back. Captain, you're breaking up. Yeah, the Klingon ship probably can handle the, this pressure. It's a little more higher tech probably than the Enterprise is. So. Paul's right. There's a neurotoxin in her bloodstream. Untreated, it could kill her within a day or two. Can you do anything? I'm working on it. So Paul said the Klingons were unconscious. Why is this one so lively? She's the... showing the effects of hypothermia. My guess is she took refuge in a low-temperature environment aboard her ship. The cold would have delayed the effects of the toxin. I demand to speak to your captain. The episode, you know, uh, this is called Sleeping week, Dogs, is a takeoff on the expression, let sleeping dogs lie, which, you know, basically tells them maybe they should have just left this ship alone. I'm the captain. And uh, just gone along w without investigating. I've kind before, but you have made an enemy of the Klingon Empire. From what I've noticed, that's not hard to do. <laughs> you stranded three of my people down there. You raided my vessel, infected my crew. We didn't infect anyone. We boarded your ship to try and help. Liar. Look, I don't know what happened to your crew, but we had nothing to do with it. Now your vessel is sinking deeper into the atmosphere. And unless we do something, it'll be destroyed. Better that than let it fall into your hands. Archer's really very capable keep, people keeping himself ship. under control here. If you tell them how to get the engines running, they can fly it out of there. And fly it where? Back to your world to steal our secrets? No. When our birds of prey arrive, your ship will be destroyed. Yeah, she's not super cooperative. Plus, stop trying to help people. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, he tells Trip, "Remind me to stop trying to help people." It's I it's partially partially the toxin that's in her system, scouts. and also being a Klingon that's making her pretty distrustful of, of at least twice Archer. As thick as ours, reinforced with some kind of coherent molecular alloy. Yeah, it's a tough little ship, but it can't hold up under that pressure forever. What if we use deritanium braces to reinforce a shuttle pod? It won't look pretty, but it might hold up long enough for us to get our people out. 
Our only other option is for T'Pol and Malcolm to fix a broken down Klingon ship and fly it out themselves. I don't think we're gonna get any help from our guest in sickbay. Get started on those braces. Keep an eye out for any Klingon ships coming this way. Yeah, I'll put Master. some two by fours in this shuttle pod. That should hold up against, you know, thousands of PSI <sighs> one time pressure. we need our chief engineer. It's the one time we leave him behind. Come look at this. And now they've all stripped down to their just undergarments. Like I said earlier, they're not wearing their normal uniform. It's sort of like a unitard, gray unitard, which makes sense in a bulky suit. You wouldn't wear a big uniform underneath it. This is the Klingon captain speaking here on a log entry. It's actually played by Vaughn Armstrong, who played Admiral Forrest on Enterprise. He's the actor playing this Klingon. fusion injector wait I saw that somewhere here one deck below us it's in the reactor pit reactor pit could that be engineering could be yeah I guess it would have been good to bring trip along on this little journey that they took to uh, to an alien ship stuck in an atmosphere at least bring some kind of engineer with you i mean malcolm knows a little bit but uh they they really didn't expect of course to run into these kind of problems which you never do but this one no that says something about plasma induction so they're finding some more uh klingons here down here, here in the engineering area Port fusion injector. There's kind of a, a big Klingon slumped over the, the council here. I think I might have made a tactical error dealing with the Klingon woman. I asked her for help. She could see that as a sign of weakness. I've been boning up on your Klingon psychology. So Trip and Archer are, are reinforcing this shuttle. Every time they've wanted to destroy us. I'd love to figure out why. They're doing some the welding here. Clear of them. And that might not be so easy. And we could use our help right now. If we can reestablish a comm signal with Paul and the others, the Klingon woman could probably talk them through the repairs. But she's got a thousand generations of instinct telling her not to trust me. Well, maybe it's time to start thinking like a Klingon. And again, there's a good, uh, you know, this is only like the third time that they've, in, you know, encountered the Klingons on uh, on Enterprise. So, they, you know, they haven't really had a whole lot of chance to deal with them. You okay? Yes. 
headed. <sighs> Must be the heat. You're dehydrated. You need some water. I saw a galley on the schematics. Deck four, blue sector. I'll see what I can find. You shouldn't go alone. Well, we'll go together. But Malcolm will stay here by himself. Well, I guess you you know going to an unsecured area. So it makes sense to maybe have them both go. Now they're down to the galley that I was seeing earlier with all these like cut open pig looking creatures and gach. You know, the good old gach, which looks it's like gummy gach. worms. It's a Klingon delicacy, but only when they're alive. They look like worms. They are worms. <laughs> That's because they are worms. <laughs> uh, yeah, those. Those always looked fun to eat when they had to do that on the set, didn't they? Yeah. And this is interesting, too, to me, where there's, you know, this is back in, in the days, and I don't think Klingons ever really got into using replicators, like, on on the, you know, Enterprise in the future. But there's a lot more real food here out being cooked and prepared rather than, you know, just a, a, a machine that you type in some codes to to get a, you know, a gawk bowl of gawk or something like that uh, it's again it shows the differences between the Klingons and the humans and, and so forth they're hearing something going on behind a bulkhead here or a cabinet of some kind oh it's a little targs targs Klingons prefer their food freshly slaughtered Are you all right? Yeah, don't Klingons keep do those this. as pets too, right? You know, they, so they situation. keep them as pets and they also An eat them? That's kind of nasty. Your anxiety is understandable. Although people keep pigs as pets, I guess, and, and people eat human? them too, so. You not really that surprising or weird, I guess. This may sound strange, but I envy you sometimes. I know, another pesky human emotion. But there are times I wish I could just ignore my feelings, bury them the way Vulcans do. Take my hand. Excuse me? My hand. Close your eyes. Are you gonna write something on my hand to Paul? What are you gonna do? She's using- Think of yourself on a turbulent ocean. Pressure points on Hoshi's hand. You have hand. the power to control the waves. Kind of doing a little, in a way, a Vulcan mind melt. Whatever it is you're trying to do, it's not working. Focus. The waves are subsiding. The water is growing still. You're in control. That was amazing. When we return to the ship, I'll teach you how to do it on your own. Thanks. 
So this is one of the times actually you get to first Lieutenant see Reed, report. sort of a Vulcan mind mill. But she touched her hands at pressure points. Yeah, the, the Klingon ship, even though it's a tough little ship, it's starting to fall apart in certain areas. And they showed a pretty cool effect there with the It'll work. The top section sort of crushing. If a you're little. wrong, you could destroy the ship. Look, he's with Hoshi's help. It could take hours just to find the fusion injector in here. We're out of time. I say we try the weapons. How do you know you can even access the tactical systems? If there's one thing on board this ship I ought to be able to figure out, it's the torpedoes. I'd like to run one more structural diagnostic before you launch. Kapla. Beg your pardon? Success. I decided to take your advice about thinking like a Klingon. The Vulcan database has about 900 pages on them. Learn anything? Plenty. They're driven by a warrior mentality. They tend to view anyone they meet as a potential enemy. That might explain why our guest is so irritable. They also have a strong sense of duty. Uh, Hecho Marakta. Death before dishonor. Finish up that diagnostic. I'll be in sick bay. Gonna go put your homework to use? Something like that. Yeah, so uh, Archer's down here with the uh, flocks and the Klingon relax. woman. If you strain against the straps, you might hurt yourself. What's that? Is that what you used against my crew? Dr. Phlox has developed an antidote to the neurotoxin in your system. The is woman, the Klingon here, is called Bukak, played by Michelle Bonella. poison me, then miraculously cure me? Have you had a drink lately? What? The bioagent that affected you and your crew was consumed, apparently, in alcohol. Specifically, the toxin was bonded to a molecule unique to Xerentine ale. There was a raid? Yes. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. I can understand you're not wanting to talk about it if the raid went badly for you. The Xerentines are no match for us. We attacked their outpost and took what we wanted. And that included some Xerentine ale? Did your whole crew drink it? The triumph belonged to all. I'll take that as a yes. It was that ale that infected you, not us. Think about it. When did your crew start getting sick? Was it right after the raid? After you celebrated your victory? This is a trick. Is it? How do you feel? Better or worse since the injection? We can make enough of this for your entire crew. If it's not too late. What if this isn't a trick? What if we're telling you the truth? You'd be letting your crew die a very dishonorable death when you could have saved them. Ah, now you're working it. Can you live with that? Yes, that's the way to do it. Yes, if you could do something to save your crew and honor them, that's what you do. Meters. Two thousand. So Malcolm's shooting torpedoes out the aft. No effect. We're still sinking. 
The shockwave dissipated before it reached us. He's trying to use the shockwaves to push the ship up. The ship's hull is under enough pressure already. If you detonate a torpedo too close. And if I don't, we need to generate a large enough shockwave to push us into a higher orbit. To do that, the blast has to be big and it has to be close. You heard the sub commander. Load two this time. Well, I really like this idea a lot because it makes sense. You know, there are drifts. Sensor resolution's dropping off. This was your plan. The shockwave. If the ship is tough enough, ship. should push them up That's enough. That's how we found it the first time. So she's got the he's what got the that? Klingon on the reinforced shuttle pod trying to go in. Weapons fire. Where? Bearing two nine seven mark two six one down about two kilometers. Did it work? We've moved up, but only two hundred meters. That's all. Do it again. Do it again. Compartment just collapsed. Deck three, green sector. This whole damn ship's coming apart. How many torpedoes do we have left? Six. Load two more. It won't be enough. Load the weapons. We already tried. It didn't work. Ensign. She's right. We'll never reach a safe altitude climbing a few hundred meters at a time. The longer we stand around arguing, the more ground we lose. Fire them all. What if we detonated all the torpedoes at once? We may gain enough altitude. But I doubt we'd make it in one piece. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to take the chance. We'll detonate at 800 meters. I was thinking more like 500. Look, I didn't come all this way to get crushed in the atmosphere of some anonymous gas giant. I like those she is. One through six. Brace yourselves. She's, uh, you know, really taking charge and, and torpedoes armed. Showing some of her command, I think, abilities too, in a way. What is it? Another explosion. There's a shockwave this time. Hang on. And there are bits of the of the ship falling off now, but the shuttle pod, the reinforced one with Archer board, is, is getting close. The ship made it. It's still, it's still intact. It's beat up pretty bad. Oh. What have you been shooting at? We used the shockwaves to gain some altitude, but it's only temporary. We'll start sinking again unless we can come up with a way to get this ship out of here. I brought someone who should be able to help do just that. We're docking now. Officer Buka. What's the status of their engines? The Klingon crew made most of the necessary repairs before they were overcome. But the port fusion injector is still damaged. I will tend to my own ship. I didn't bring you down here just so you could die with your shipmates. My crew risked their lives to get this ship out of danger. I don't intend to leave until the job is finished. Sir, there are two ships approaching at high warp. I think they're Klingon. How long do they get here? 16 minutes. We're being hailed. It's the captain. On screen. This is Klingon Raptor Samra, hailing Enterprise. Request permission to disembark four passengers. Well, I don't see why not. 
I kept your seat warm for you. Thanks. Get ready to break orbit, Travis. I think we've had about enough of this place. All right, Captain. It's the Raptor, sir. They're hailing us. Call them to say thanks? I doubt it. Put it through. What can I do for you? Prepare to surrender your vessel. Maybe your engineer neglected to tell you, but uh, we just saved you and your crew. You violated our ship, accessed our weapons. It was either that or stand by and watch you get crushed. Disruptors! They're charging weapons. You wouldn't last 10 seconds in a battle with us. You've got multiple hull breaches, your shields are down, and from what I'm told, you're fresh out of torpedoes. If I were you, I'd take what little honor I had left and go home. Fire one shot, and I'll blast you right back to where we found you. <laughs> I like that a lot. They're moving off. Very Kirk-like. Get us out of here before their friends show up. But this episode does come into play later on for uh, Archer. He gets mentioned a couple of times of helping the Klingons in this, and it gets around Klingon territory and starts to help them uh, understand each other. So there's a, there is an effect later on with this. Someone gotta get that. They're closer. They're now all in the decon, the decontamination bay here to Paul and Hoshi and, uh, of course, Malcolm. In the very, you know, skimpy outfits they Dr. wear Fox. in there. You'll be happy to know that you're now free of any microbes or parasites. Your captivity in decon is over. Malcolm, are you sure, Doctor? Who knows what was living on that ship? What if we picked up something your scans can't detect? Well, I'm quite sure you didn't. I've run every possible test. And, and Malcolm and Maybe Hoshi. Maybe you should run them again, Doctor. I believe I'm developing a slight headache. Of course, if you insist. I wouldn't want to miss anything. Thank you, Doctor. So, uh, so they kind of encouraged so they could get a little bit more of a break here. I like it because Hoshi and... Uh, I should buy us at least another half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could stay in here all day. Went to a spa once. Mexico. The most relaxing place I've ever been. But it doesn't compare to this. Oh, it certainly feels nice to be clean again. It is pleasant. Do you smell that? I don't smell anything. Exactly. Yeah, very enjoyable episode, I think, here. You get to see some of, uh, 
you know, the lesser used crew people, you know, like Hoshi and Malcolm, even though T'Pol gets a lot to, usually to do. But I like the teaming of them up on the away team. Like I said, it wasn't just your usual group that went away. And they run into the Klingons. That's always fun. I like the episodes that they involve when they're trying to struggle with other languages, too, because I think it shows a little bit more that, hey, you know, not everyone out there speaks English and, and the universal translators don't work as well in this show you know in the early days and they don't have transporters that work as well and shuttle pods and grapplers and all that stuff and you get to see some computer generated targs and so it's a fun episode you know it has implications for later on but it's not a really big big episode and a lot of really big things going on the other thing i like is you get to see a little relationship going on here between to paul and hoshi and she you know helps Hoshi there kind of calm down using this uh, a Vulcan mind meld technique and, and through the hands rather than the face. And, and this is uh, also foreshadows later on, you know, in Enterprise, uh, Hoshi actually gets a, a really first big mind meld by T'Pol in an episode later on in Enterprise called Affliction. So uh, that, that comes later. So it's, again, I think a solid episode. You know, this, this ship that they find in the gas giant and they go to find out and rescue it. It's a, actually a, um, a Klingon ship, and you get to learn a little bit more. Got to see some uh, some fun guests and and that. So it's a good episode, and uh, I think again, in, in even in season one of Enterprise, I think they had some some pretty cool episodes and fun stuff. So I'm gonna take a very short break. I'll come back and wrap up today's podcast. Hey, this is Larry Nimichek, the uh, <laughs> the mayor of Trekland, and you're listening to Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the look at the Enterprise episode this week and my other discussion of uh, movies and TV and all that uh, earlier on in the uh, podcast. Please, if you're interested in uh, in guest hosting a spot, uh, just shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com. I know a lot of times it's just forum members that are uh, guest hosting, but anyone else that listens to the show and would like to take a shot, talk about a particular uh, movie or television show or something uh, Star Trek or Star Wars related, whatever, uh, just uh, just let me know. Also, if you want to be a forum member, if you want to join up, uh, shoot me an email as well, treksf at gmail.com, and I'll uh, set you up. Just send me the send me a email with your the username you'd like for the forum. Right now, the automated uh, joining on the forum method isn't is currently turned off. We were getting a lot of like spam bots uh, that tried to sign up. I was getting lots of requests. Uh, sometime soon, I'm gonna, hoping to turn that back on. But uh, for now, just shoot me an email. Also, iTunes reviews, PayPal donations, all those links and information over at treksinsci-fi.com. Upcoming on the podcast, of course, next week, like I said earlier, will be a guest spot. We're going to have uh, Rick Moyer here. And I think he's going to cover a Star Trek episode. He's still working out the details, but... Uh, that will be on uh, next weekend's uh, Treks and Sci-Fi. And on the April 8th weekend, I'm going to cover the Terminator films. I'm going to try to cover the whole group of them uh, briefly on each, just kind of give you an overview, uh, things that I liked about them. And that uh, I've, I've talked about the Terminator movies here and there throughout the uh, doing the podcast, but I don't think I've ever really done kind of a Terminator-focused podcast itself. So that'll be on the 8th of April. The 15th is a guest spot that's currently open. So again, like I said earlier, if you'd like to guest host, uh, shoot me an email. If you're a forum member, shoot me a, a PM on the forum, and uh, hopefully we'll get someone for the 15th of April 
or we may just have a, a blank week, or I may rerun an old classic Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. On the 22nd of April, I'm going to cover the TNG episode, A Matter of Time, an episode that I really thought I had covered, <laughs> but I guess I hadn't. I really thought I had covered this one, and uh, it's the guy, um, Matt Frewer, Frewer, is that how you say his name? He, basically, he's the guy that was Max played Max Headroom back in that old TV show. He He is a the main guest star in that TNG episode. So that probably uh, rings some bells, but uh, that'll be on the 22nd. And on the 29th, uh, Mark or M5 on the forum is going to guest and do um, a podcast on the Disney movie. Uh, I think it was an 80s movie. Was it the 80s? Uh, anyway, he's going to cover, was it late 70s, maybe like 79 or 80, somewhere in there. He's going to cover The Black Hole, that Disney film, uh, which is a very cool movie, and I'm glad that he's decided to, to do a guest spot for that. So that is coming up on the podcast. So everyone, I hope you enjoyed this week. Like I said, the weather has been great here in Michigan the past week or so. We've cooled off just a little bit. We hit like record highs last week, though. We were in like the mid-80s already, which is ridiculous and, and uh, surprising for Michigan in March. We're down to about 60, 70 now, uh, which is still fine with me. So I think winter's over, I hope. So that's good. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go see the Hunger Games later. I'll, I'll talk uh, in two weeks, I guess, when I'm back, all about what I think about that. But I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that I'm really going to enjoy it. I'm pretty sure that I will. So uh, take care, everyone. Have a great uh, couple of weeks. Enjoy next week's podcast with Rick Moyer, and I'll talk to you in about two, two weeks or so. So take care. Bye-bye. Action.